me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Um, I, want to, I want to read verses 35 to 38. As you're turning, um, this is a passage of Scripture that the Lord used in my life to call me into missions. Um, the first time that I, the Lord really brought this attention to my life, I was 16 years old, sitting in a missions conference. Brother Jim Hoffman was our keynote speaker. And uh, he preached from this passage, and I remember very clearly the Lord burdening me for the mission field. I knew the Lord wanted me to go to South Korea, but I didn't want to follow my dad's footsteps. As you heard in, my, in the DVD, my dad um, left our family when I was 10 years old. He ran away with a young lady that we had living with us in Korea, and uh, I, I got very bitter against the Lord. I got very bitter against people around me. And I didn't want to follow my dad. I didn't want to go to South Korea, even though I knew that's where the Lord wanted me to go. And so I went forward that evening when I was 16 years old, and I surrendered to missions, but I wanted to do it my way. I told the Lord I was going to go to the field of my choice. I told the Lord I was going to go into mission aviation. And that's where I, that's what I wanted to do. And for many years I pursued that, but the Lord never really clearly opened the doors. Then in November of 2001, if you could fast forward almost 16 years, about 15 years, November of 2001, I was reading Matthew 9 in my devotions. And I came across this passage. And as I looked at the passage, I read through it and and I began to meditate on it throughout the day. The Lord, helped, the Lord just kind of focused my attention on one word. It's found in verse 36. It's a word, compassion. But before we go any further, let me go ahead and read this passage. We'll begin in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. I looked at that word compassion, and I asked myself, What in the world did this word mean? What was this idea of compassion? So I looked it up in the dictionary and in the original language and things like that. And compassion has the idea of recognizing a need, desiring to meet that need, and then doing something to meet the need in the individual person's life. Most of us would recognize the need in somebody's life. Maybe it's a coworker at work or somebody that we see on a regular basis. And being the missions, missions uh, emphasis night here at Grace Baptist Church, we'll focus on people's need of salvation. And maybe you're at work and you see your coworker and you, you recognize their need for a Savior. Maybe you desire to help meet that need and you'll pray or to desire that that need be met in their life. And you'll pray for them. And you'll, you'll talk to the Lord and say, Lord, will you bring them to you? And most of us would find ourselves in that position 
will recognize a need, will desire that that need be met in that person's life, but that's as far as it gets. But compassion compels us to go a step further and to do something to help meet the need in that individual person's life. I found myself in that position in November 2001. You See, I was willing to go to the mission field. But I wanted to follow my dad's footsteps. And I had to come to an understanding that I wasn't following dad's footsteps. I was following the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And when I got to that understanding where I was following the Holy Spirit's leading in my life, then the Lord began to develop this idea of compassion in my life, compassion towards Korean people in my case. But let's look here at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Before Jesus was able to develop, before Jesus displayed the compassion in his life, Jesus didn't have to develop compassion. He already had compassion. Read Philippians chapter 2. He was in heaven's glory. He saw a need. He set aside his heavenly deities to come to this earth to become the servant of servants, all for the purpose of meeting a need for a Savior. A need that you have. A need that I have. And until we express uh, our repentance to the Savior and and, and accept Him as our Savior, we have that need for a Savior in our life, for a relationship with God. Those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, Christ has already met that need. But it's interesting in this passage of Scripture as we look here, Jesus was already busy in the ministry. Young people, listen to me this evening. Jesus had already begun His ministry. The, 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 the miracles had already taken place, the miracle of Canaan. And Jesus is already busy in the ministry. And Matthew here is just emphasizing to us that he's already working. He's already doing his part of the ministry. And young people, this evening, if you're not busy right now doing the ministry that God has for you in this church, the light isn't going to all of a sudden click on. By the way, did you know that teenagers' brains turn off when they get... I've got four teenagers. Their brains turn off when they become teenagers. <laughs> they actually do have studies that prove that there is a chemical reaction that takes place. But we won't get into that this evening. But listen. One day, you're not going to just all of a sudden, okay, God is calling me to the mission field. I better get active in my church. No. You need to be active now, doing what God would have you to do. You want to know the Lord's will for your life? Be in His Word on a daily basis. Pray to Him on a regular basis, every single day. Be in church as you are this evening. You know, one thing that I could say about my mom, my mom, after, after dad left, divorced my mom, my mom worked a third shift job. 
Never once. There was never a time that I remember mom being so tired that she stayed home for church. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, kids programs, calling. My mom was in church every time the doors were open. And I remember so, so often, every Sunday night, we would go to church. Mom would sleep all Sunday afternoon. She got off work Saturday, a lot of times uh, Sunday morning about 7 o'clock. She'd drive home, she'd get ready, she'd take us to church. Sunday afternoon we'd get home, we'd eat a quick lunch, and Mom would go to bed and she'd sleep till about 6 o'clock. Then she'd get up, she'd get ready, she'd take us to church. Sunday evening after church we'd say goodbye to Mom, Mom would go to work. My aunt and uncle would take us home. She'd get home Monday morning, about 7:30. We would already be we'd already be up and ready. Our chores on the farm were all done. We'd leave for work, for school. Mom would take us to school, and she would sleep in the nursery at the church at the Christian school, where we went to school. Never once did my mom miss a service. Young people, if you're, you you need to be busy serving in the ministry today. And it's the same pattern that you see in the Apostle Paul's life. In Acts chapter 13, remember when he was called, uh, he and, and uh, Barnabas were busy working in the church of Antioch, and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Paul. They were already busy in the ministry. And we need to be active in the ministry today. But as we consider this idea of compassion, I ask the Lord... To show me how I could develop compassion in my life. And as I studied through the passage of Scripture, this passage, uh, the Lord gave me several principles that I want to share with you that helped to develop compassion in my life. And I want to share them with you. And hopefully it will help you to develop this compassion in your life. First of all, look with me at verse 36. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Here Jesus is looking out over the vast uh, population of Jerusalem. As he looks over the city, he's moved with compassion. Why? Because he saw them fainted and scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. The idea of fainted there is just the idea of weary. They're wore out. They were tired. Now, why would people be tired? Because they're carrying a burden of sin. Now, I don't know about you, but when there's, there's been times in my life where even as a believer, I didn't want to give up that sin. And that sin became a heavy burden to carry. And I, I remember before I was saved when I was 10 years old, just that, that feeling of hopelessness because of the burden of sin that you're carrying. Now, imagine that you're walking around this evening and you're carrying a backpack on your back. When I was in college, I carried my books on my back. And I got to be pretty heavy. And you're walking around and you've got this backpack on your back and you've been carrying it for all the years, all the days of your life. And, man, this backpack is getting heavier and heavier as the days go on. Somebody keeps adding more and more to it and it's getting heavy. You're going to get tired. You're going to get wore out. 
And that's the condition that Jesus sees in the people. They're fainted, they're tired, they're wore out, they're weary. But then you look a little further in the verse, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And I believe Jesus is pointing right straight to the religious environment of the day and is saying to them, look, you're, you're leading the people the wrong direction. You're not giving them the truth. The truth is, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But the Pharisees were adding all these rules and regulations unto them. And, and today we have the religious environment telling us, oh, if you get baptized, you'll, you'll be able to have the relief of the burden of sin that you're carrying. Or if you help old ladies across the street, eventually your good works will outweigh your bad works. Maybe, if, maybe you believe that if you go to church on a regular basis, well, certainly that's going to help me earn favor with God. Well, folks, we're not talking about a superficial earning favor with God. We're talking about having a personal relationship with the Lord where He takes that burden off your back. He removes it and He sets it aside forever. Nevermore to worry about it. You see, if we're going to have compassion in our lives, we need to understand the lost condition of people. You know, we're told in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. If all you see are people around you, well, they're doing good. They claim to be a Christian, although their lifestyle may not show it. Oh, well, I'm going to church. That's good enough for me, and so I'm not going to worry about everybody else. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you see people in their lost condition, the way that God sees them, in their sin? How about your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers? Do you recognize a need in their life? Do you desire to have that need met? Maybe it's time you do something about it. Maybe it's time to show compassion on them. See, if we're going to develop compassion in our lives, we need to understand the lost condition of people. Secondly, look with me at verse 37. If we're going to develop compassion in our lives, we need to understand the need for labors. In verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now, we're living in, or I'm not living in Iowa, but you're living in Iowa. And uh, most of you know what a farming community is like. You have a little bit of an idea of what it, what it takes to um, bring in the harvest. I think we probably have some rocket scientists in here tonight, or at least some corn scientists. And let me ask you a question, you corn scientists. Have you ever seen the corn cob in the fall of the year? You know, when the corn is all dried out, it's ready to come 
be be brought into the into the uh, the harvest is ready to come in and, and be brought into the corn crib. How many of you corn scientists has ever seen that cob jump off the corn stalk and march its way to the corn crib? You mean to tell me you've never seen I-35 or I-80 shut down because all the corn cobs coming across the road? Oh, don't want to hit the corn cobs. They're coming out of the field. I know I grew up in Wisconsin, okay? I even grew up on a dairy farm. That's not how corn gets in. You sure? How does corn get in? Somebody has to go out in the field, right? Somebody has to get on the combine. It takes somebody laboring out in the field and going out there and bringing the harvest and unloading it into the corn crib. Because you're right, it's not going to happen on its own. And neither is a sinner going to come into the family of God unless laborers go out and get them. We've got to be busy in the ministry that God has called us to. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. He says, look under the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Folks, we need to be getting out into the fields. We need to be laboring in the ministry that God has called us to. Because just as a corn cob isn't going to jump off the stalk and run to the corn crib on its own, Neither is a sinner going to just come and seek after God on its own. We need to go out. We need to share the gospel. We need to be busy in the ministry that God has called us to. You know, the population of the world exceeds 6.5 billion people. I can't even fathom that number. I have I we we have visited South Korea. My wife and I were in South Korea in 2007 for almost 3 weeks. I would have never come home except my kids were here. I have seen a vast number of people in one place. billion people is a hard number to comprehend. And I don't know what 10% is. But of that 6.5 billion people in the world today, could there possibly be 10% that are believers? Pretty hard-pressed, I think. We need to get out in the fields. There's a vast harvest field of souls out there that need to hear the truth of the gospel. Are you willing to answer as Isaiah of old? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Be careful. Because when Isaiah came to that point in his life, What preceded that was a confrontation of the sovereignty of God and the holiness of God and the iniquity of his sin. Isaiah was just confronted 
by the fact that against a sovereign and a holy God, he was nothing but a filthy, rotten sinner. And he had to get to a point in his life where he repented of his sin. And then he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Are you willing to let God use you in his harvest field? You see, if we're going to develop compassion in our lives, we need to understand the lost condition of people. We need to understand the need for labors. And then thirdly, we need to understand the proper response by the believer. And I'm going to add to that in just a minute, but I want to look at verse 38 here. It says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. The first part of the verse there, we have a command for us. It's for all believers. It's an imperative. It says, pray ye therefore. When there's nothing left for you to do, pray. No, that's not what it says. Oh, well, when it's convenient for you, pray the... No. It says, pray ye therefore. It's a command. It's an attitude that we ought to always be in. Remember, pray without ceasing in First Thessalonians, I believe it is. But every believer can pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so Jesus here is commanding us to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Aren't you thankful that we're not the master of the harvest? He's the master of the harvest. He's the supervisor, if you would. He's the one who chooses where and what capacity you serve. Not all of us have the same skills. Some of us don't have the ability to be able to get up in front of a, a crowd of people and speak. Some of you can be thankful for that. I told my brother at one point that I wanted to be a missionary, but I didn't want to preach. He said, what do you mean? How can you be a preacher or a missionary and not preach? I said, I don't know, but I don't want to get in front of people. But God gives me the strength to be able to do it through His Holy Spirit. Some of you can be thankful you don't have to get up here and, 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 and preach. But I found that I enjoy it. I love it. Why? Because it's what God has called me to, to do. Because He's the master of the harvest. Some of you, it may be that God would call you to a different area of the ministry. That's what you ought to be doing. That's where you ought to be laboring. But all of us are called to pray. All of us are called to pray. But when you pray, do you pray with an attitude, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Look at this verse as a help wanted ad, if you would, this evening. Imagine you've been without work for several months and bills are piling up and you just don't know how things are going to get taken care of. And you've been going through the help wanted ads you, time after time. You haven't found anything. Finally, Monday morning comes and you're looking through the ads and you find this little ad you read it and you say, wow, I could accomplish that. That's something I qualify for. And so you inquire about this ad. You go in and you fill out the application. You do the interview process. You do everything that they ask you to do. 
And then finally, one day you go home, you're at home, and that long-anticipated phone, phone call comes in. You answer the phone, and here's this place of employment. They say, we've looked over your application. We're so thankful that you came in and you inquired about the job. And we've decided that we want to hire you. Here's the hourly wage we're willing to pay. And you think, wow, that's the best thing that could happen to me. And maybe you even say on the phone, wow, well, I certainly appreciate it. My, this is the greatest thing that could happen. My finances finally can get straightened out. But then you answer, but I'm sorry. It's just not for me. And you turn down the job. Well, if I heard about that, you know what? I'd look at you and I'd say, what kind of a crazy nut are you? Why in the world would you turn down the very best that you, you even admitted? It'd be the best thing for you. Why would you turn that down? But yet so many times in our Christian life, oh, we'll pray to the Lord of the harvest. Lord, would you please show me what area of ministry you would have for me? Lord, would you please bring in lost souls? Would you bring visitors to church? Will you bless pastor? Lord, please show me what you would have for me. And you inquire of the Lord. You even have your devotions on a daily basis. You do. You pray on a daily basis. You're in church every time the doors are open. You say, Lord, would you please show me? And you've done all the requirements that God has. Then one day you're at home and the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart's door. He said, I want you to go over here to your neighbor. Hey, I want you to go to your co-worker. I want you to go to your family member. I want you to share with them the gospel. I want you to tell them about me. Oh, Lord, I know I've been inquiring. Lord, I I want to know what you have for me. And I know I've been praying about it. I've been doing all the things that your word expect that you expect of me. And and Lord, I know I've been I've been reading my Bible. I've been doing all those things. But Lord, I'm sorry. It's not for me. And I say to you. Young person. Grandma, Grandpa, Mom, Dad, I say to you, why would you turn down the very best that God has for you? You see, if we're going to develop compassion in our lives, we need to understand the proper response by the believer. And that's obedience to His Word. When he knocks on God's, on your heart, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to go. Not Dan Kowak at 16 years old who came forward knowing that God was calling him to South Korea and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to go to the mission field, but no. I would much rather you come forward or you answer God's call in your life and say, Lord, 
I'm going to do it your way right from the very beginning. I'm going to follow you. You see, God called me to Korea when I was 16 years old. I didn't go. And I've often wondered how much blood is on my hands because of my obedience to the Lord. I turned down the best that God had for me. I am so thankful that God has given me a second chance and that God has called me to go back to Korea and to share His Word with the people of South Korea. Are you willing to answer, Hear my Lord, send me? Are you willing to allow God to use you to save one soul from the brink of hell? Let me just give you a picture of what this looks like when a believer was to apply these principles to their life. Results in believers reaching out to the lost because of an understanding of their hopeless condition, ready to obediently follow the instruction of the Lord to work wherever He directs. You see, our lives are to glorify the Father. That means we are to live in obedience to Him. Are you willing to allow God to develop in your life compassion? Father, we thank you, Lord, this evening for the opportunity to share your word. We just pray now, Lord, that you would develop in our lives a compassion for lost souls around us. Lord, that we would be willing to follow you, to obediently do as you command in our lives. Father, we do it for your praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.